0: We are having a very interesting conversation with Neera Chari, a senior enterprise architect with IEEE. In this conversation, Neera is talking about having joined as a curious engineer and tracing out how she moved from product to services organization and always having the customer in mind. Gives very interesting anecdotes around her own learning journey and how. She, the whole technology landscape is shaping up towards cloud automation and cloud maturity. Listen on. Welcome, Meera. We would like to give you a warm welcome to the Software People's Stories uh, podcast today. Like we do in every podcast, we'd like you to introduce your stellar career to our podcast listeners.
1: Thank you, Gayatri. Thank you so much for you and your company uh, for reaching out to me. This is a great opportunity for me to share my experience within the software industry with the audience at large. Like every other uh, IT person coming out of India, I graduated from an engineering college, a very good one, uh, definitely. Regional engineering college from uh, Trichirapali. I did my computer science engineering and, uh, you know, way way back when. Right, no, two, more than two decades ago. Like, <laughs> like everyone of us sailing, sailing the boat during the, yeah. the Y2K storm, We all took the software as fish to water. The best part, and, and that applies to any one of us even today, very quickly we learned how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We had no clue about software. We did, actually did not have access to uh, computers 24 plus 7. Those were the days when we simply went to a lab for a for an hour of computer time and most of our computer knowledge were theoretical based on uh, you know, the book uh, that we read. We had some vivid imagination of what's, what's it going to be. However, even though we did not know much, did the excitement, the curiosity kept us going. And then and that's actually a fantastic thing that today those that are coming into software know exactly what they're getting into, and we did not at that time we were so much we were so much open we were we were like sponges observing everything that came along. And then that's a fantastic experience uh, itself. And then that's, that's the start of the journey. Like everyone else, I headed to Bangalore, started working for Vipro Technologies. And that again, I, that again, I didn't choose the stream of software that I wanted to work on. Simply just just by fate or, or luck. I landed in Vipro Electronics uh, Commerce Division. A very okay. tiny uh, software division that that was experimenting with what is, what is electronic commerce, though. That actually was known to software industry at that time. The definition has changed uh, drastically in the two decades. And then experimenting with uh, EJBs, Java Servlets, JSPs, understanding MVC. What is MVC? Understanding a sh- <laughs> what a shopping cart. So just is yeah, the that start of the journey. Pretty much nine to six job. Just come into work, write a bunch of Java Servlets, HTML, uh, CSS, and go back home in the evening. However. A lot of turning points happened towards that journey, uh, right, right from the beginning. Mentors started showing up in my career as and when I needed it, and, uh, and I started paying attention to them. Uh, today, we as uh, software engineers and then being in the industry, we seek mentors. At that time, uh, as a young professional, I did not know that I have to seek them. But then, interestingly, they did come along. I took, I took, uh, you know, uh, the opportunity to collaborate with them. So, uh, uh, the industry was, in fact, innovating drastically. Mm-hmm. More than ever at that time, a- a- Amazon showed us what is e-commerce and then there's EJBs and there's backend uh, software and a layered architecture and all that happening at the same time. So I, I ended up working for Ericsson. I was working in Norway uh, with okay. Ericsson on their mo- mobile eBay product line. Okay,
0: wow. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fancy. <laughs>
1: in fact, yes, very, very fancy. Uh, it just shocks me looking back. I do not get a lot of opportunity in in my in the today's fast-paced life to even turn back and then and talk about those. Look back and then in a, in a founding, in a go through my founding memories. But thanks to you, uh, I get an opportunity today. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, I, I was specifically I was working on their mobile browser encryption to handle credit card payments on a mobile devices. Uh, encryption, two fifty six bit encryption uh, that was
0: very very uh, famous yes. at time. Okay. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. The joke is I did not own a mobile device. I have not seen one. So, I, I, yeah, just, and then that's why the learning curve was extremely deep. It was observing learning at a very quick pace, trying to pace myself to the future. Uh, that was a very interesting experience. Most importantly, the reason being that the browser encryption software came from another company. The actual encryption key came from another company. The device belongs to another company, and, and the browser plugin that's on the device is from another company. So I'm, I'm working with these four companies at the same time, talking to uh, talking to t- four different sales person, technology teams across companies across time zones. Very, very interesting. You know, this is, this opened up a perspective, uh, you know, early in my uh, career that software is not just done alone, just not not by just one person, and definitely not to be consumed by just uh, you know a, a set of people.
0: Software is definitely uh, a team it, it, sport, yeah. It's definitely a team sport. It's a it is a lot of people to come together in the right way. Go
1: ahead, go ahead. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Col- collaboration definitely uh, uh, meant meant uh, a lot uh, then and then more now to even uh, get to where we want to uh, to make impactful outcome uh, to our uh, end users. So that's uh, that's that's a very interesting journey. Keep innovating while while at the same time, and my career took a, a quick turn from being a product developer to jumping into services industry. I moved to the United States, the East Coast of the United States, and uh, the Y2K boom was in full swing. And the East Coast of the United States uh, focuses more on services industry, catering to industries, uh, financial, and and that's the journey, uh, the part of the journey that I am still uh, sailing on. So I left my product development days and uh, jumped into services industry. Uh, Here again, you know, so the way services industry operates is there is a client that's willing to pay and you have to de- deliver, develop and deliver what they would like to. But that, that's just a simple fundamental compromise. However, while sailing that journey a lot of times, especially for a person like me who predominantly worked with the UI technologies, okay. uh, developing websites and web applications, a lot of questions arise when I, I develop software. Who, who is this website for? Which geography, which culture, which country? Who, who's our target audience? What are they looking for in a website? What should come up on the top or should go on the bottom? What should be on the side? The colors, the usability. What is our user looking for? What are they searching for? Uh, findability, accessibility, branding, the quick links, the top nav, the footer, the Okay, everything started emerging, the, the whole aspects of developing anything for the event. Okay, okay. So that's a huge change in perspective. To keep the end user experience in mind while developing software.
0: Having the empathy for the end user as well as understanding to some extent. Now, the same thing if we added today's data, you would say use data, use find out what they are navigating and extrapolate that. But at that time, it was more around interviews, having conversations with
1: them. Yeah, we have to think in terms of their shoes. We have to think as a person uh, who would consume our end product, the website. We have to serve the needs of our end users and to understand what they even look for when they come to our website. The personas okay. that emerge from the web user experience. Are they looking for something? Are they searching for something or, or simply they want to hang around, spend spend their valuable five minutes browsing through our website, how to grab attention, what's important for our business to offer to this user who has taken the interest to come to our website. So all those aspects come into picture. In fact, I regularly participate in usability studies in in, in one of my previous website projects that I participated in a study. One of the questions that said was, hey, do you like this blue or a lighter blue? And my (laughs) my answer was, hey, none of the above i need i don't like the, neither of these truths and i want a third option and i'm i'm uh-huh. i'm just just being myself but i'm also uh-huh. thinking it's possible the end users out there they're thinking the same who, who are we to offer them limited choices right, right,
0: right.
1: Uh, what would unlimited choices mean so how how many more customers can be reached yeah. that's something i learned quicker okay
0: okay but, uh, yeah. when you're saying about customization right uh, prabhlad talks about this Innovation to one. Instead of scaling up, building big work, now it's a matter of, you know, customization. Like several examples, including Nike, produces just one shoe, which is totally c- customized for a particular person, for the avenue, and websites also getting there. But yep. yeah,
1: make, making it as a personalized experience is very nice, what matters to grab the interest and attention of our users, especially in today's uh, fast-paced world. We cannot carry it to everybody. We have to clearly understand who our target audiences are and the personas within that audience. So while, while this is happening, I started looking deeper into search technologies. I've uh, okay. worked on several search uh, platforms, uh, starting okay. from Google Search Appliance to, to Google Custom Search, UltraSeq, uh, Elastic Search, Endeka, Cloud Search, and then everything else, that you name it. Okay. Once upon a time, search simply used to be a catalog search. Simply in name, product listings. Today, in the, in the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning, unstructured content search this is extremely important. Searching into log files, searching into content content on the web, making meaning out of it. Uh, the semantic mm-hmm. search is becoming more and more prevalent, and uh, it, it is showing results. Making connections, so uh, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, ultimately, it all boils down to what, you know, how we meet our end-user expectations, uh, how we uh, you know, cater to our customers. So my journey, even though working in hardcore software, being a Java programmer always uh, in the past two decades... At the same time, diversifying across layers. So I worked on the database layer of being, once upon a time, being a hardcore SQL programmer, writing procedures and, uh, (laughs) you know, doing uh, hibernate, EJBs, transactions, queues, middleware, and then working on UI layers, strings, all all those Apache open source softwares and UI design. Uh, You know, I'm working across the architecture, but my work most of the time simply was delivering some kind of software some kind of this three layered application and, and then something happened in my life so it was a certain turning point and even that actually today looking back made huge difference in my life okay a, a typical work day not work So 17 years ago i have to apply something to production so i am i'm moving database tables from qa to production and by mistake i dropped the production database table oh my holy god <laughs> of, of a live application Okay, so of course, all hell breaks loose. And talking to the director, and I'm being very direct to the system admin. and I'm, I'm talking to the system admin. And uh, those were the days where change management process, ITIL processes, were not fully did not fully exist and are understood today. We have change management process where developers cannot apply to production directly. There are scripts, there are QA processes, there's CI/CD, yes. there's DevOps. There's yes. this, this whole pipeline of uh, stages that your software moves across finally when it reaches production. There is QA certification, there is UAT, there's n number of stages that it has to go past. But those were the times the, these ideas and, uh, were all in infancy or probably did not exist. So I had access to production and I've dropped this uh, database table and now I have to figure out how to get it back. So I go to the system admin and he, he tells me, just go to data center and get the tape back. What? How about this <laughs> It's a huge problem. <laughs> I, I did not know data center existed. I did not know what does it mean by a payback okay. I would simply come to work nine to six, do my software deliverable, be very good at that, get it done, check in my code and be gone. And now I'm, I'm faced with this, uh, with this dilemma. So I take the help of the system, system admin and... You know, he I he realised that I do not have access to data center to go into the data center or talk to the operators. So he walks with me to the data center and in this I'm I'm putting such a positive spin on, on a really shameful know. moment that happened decades in my life. It's
0: I not shameful. Not that. It's not shameful at all, Mira. So all exactly learning, right? but yeah, i did not know
1: that then yeah interestingly all of us so during that moment we do not know how that is a turning point moment in our careers looking back i have that maturity today to understand and appreciate that moment so fast forwarding quickly i go with the uh, admin to the data center and he lets me inside the data center with his access oh my god my widest of things i do not know how data center looks like and i'm just it those racks and racks of softwares and wires and the humming and the coding system and then pipes just open a huge world. What did I learn out of this episode? I learned various data centers. I learned that I don't have access to the data center. I now know how data center looks like. I know what is a tape backup. I also know that there is a every nightly backup snapshot taken of the database and hourly backup of the database that's being taken. I also know that these tapes are being at an offset location. And this offset company comes to our company every day during lunchtime to pick up the tape. And I also know that I was extremely lucky to have dropped the database first thing in the morning because I was able to catch the tape before it left on the vehicle uh, to go to an offset location. Okay. And okay. I also learned that given the state with the admin, he can insert, restore my database within few minutes. Okay. I, I, I saw him do magic with the tape. And I also knew that if I drop a database table, the data a monitoring dashboard in the data center shows up on red and my application is in red and all the keynote alerts and monitoring alerts across the dashboard all show up. There is was idea board escalation. I knew so many things existed just wow. because of this one even.
0: See in today one is all the CICD may not even happen. The second is there are more people to push in than actually do the work. I'm happy that they let you do it and let you fix it and in the process learn it. Many times we are so fearful of failure this is a, um, that's a mindset to say okay fail fast fail often and learn faster very great story to get started that so what do you
1: do now Yeah, Meera? especially <laughs> yeah. Especially for those uh, those youngsters they starting today. Uh, yeah, you just just be brave. Wear, wear your failures on your sleeve. It's just fantastic. Yeah. L- look ahead and and self-deprecation, uh, def- deprecating humor takes you a long way in your career. Seriously, just be comfortable being uncomfortable. Find yourself in all un- uncomfortable situations. For, uh, for example, you're learning a brand new language out there, and do not wait to finish learning the 15th chapter of the book. As long as you cross the 7th chapter, you're good to go. Just take the plunge, start getting your hands dirty and start learning. You learn more, more on the field rather than waiting for that day when you will be fully comfortable. That day probably will never come.
0: Sometimes we, we yeah. keep thinking that as a perfection. We look, keep looking for perfection. In Asha, there's a term called you look for the priest and Mr. Forest.
1: You know, while doing all this, Especially with my computer science background experience across all the layers of technology, I very quickly understood that there are so many other software engineers like me simply working on software. They are very good in what they do. With my interactions and collaborations uh, with IT uh, employees on all, all uh, levels, I quickly uh, understood that software is only one piece of it. I started working with network security, the infrastructure team on a, on a larger level uh, as I started of leading projects. I understood the geographic latency, what is the CDN solution, how is edge caching important, how is streaming of video files important, how, how does the network traffic come through, what happens when someone types DNS of a domain on the website, and then how, how does the whole traffic get resolved? When the traffic hits the data center, what happens? How are the load balances, the proxies come into picture? What are the security interceptors and plugins? How does enterprise security play into uh, you know, the whole game? Security as such in all layers of software network security, application security, uh, UI security, you know, security at the data level, data encryption, data trust, you know, everything. You know, so security across as a as a vertical on, on every layer of effect Yeah. So it's
0: sort
1: L- kind of L- working s- very closely.
0: Yeah. Security is a big thing. Particularly now folks are saying you should look at your design uh, design for security right at the outset, not just do security testing in the end and Penetration testing
1: and see whether it will be something is failing or not. Very nicely put, that So while doing this, I realized not just writing software. Uh, it, it looks like I I am good and I am interested in in the big picture, and that slowly led me uh, towards uh, navigating towards an architect role. Okay. So architect, as a definition or a role, for 13 years ago did not exist. The, the leads, the application leads, were simply doing the software design as well as to some extent architecture. Okay. However, you know, with with cloud taking, slowly taking center stage, integration architecture became extremely important. I started focusing on that and adapting to the big picture. I also learned uh, TOGAF uh, methodologies, different aspects of TOGAF, and I also understood how business architecture is extremely important. So then uh, another turning point event, and then most of the software engineers are on the east coast of the United States. Sandy, the hurricane hit us approximately 10 years ago. Okay. And okay. Uh, every, every IT company now is trying to do disaster recovery and trying to migrate their applications to a disaster data center. And then, you know, even, even in my uh, company, we were able to move your applications. Some worked well, some did not. So business continuity and disaster recovery became the center stage of, of all our life, all software engineers' life. Now it's okay. not enough, just enough simply to write your software, you, you got to be aware of whether... the uh, underlying databases active passive or active active how not to do session persistence within a particular application server instead externalize session persistence because who knows which layer is going to fail when so that realization started uh, coming in and the applications became more and more disaster aware at every level at every layer so mm-hmm. i i got and this is so part, I of being got part of i IEEE. yeah i've been with i for uh, several years now more than a decade and then and and, and several projects, uncountable. Each one has a personality on its own, different business lines and product lines. So each one has its own nature. Okay. Which region itself serves to, which kind of application, whether it's an e-commerce or a non-e-commerce, it's a website, it's a web application. Does it have search capability? Does it have payment capability? What's the underlying database? Is it real-time data? Is it a transaction that is all weaving in and out of, of these designs? So the took us journey, took me to business strategy and business architecture. Every project, is paid by a particular uh, line of business. That's always in a capital budget to understand how capital is going to be spent and what is ahead in the roadmap. Companies already plan for next three years, spending for next three years are at any point in time. The project for next year is mostly already laid out. The capital budget is already committed. So it's important to understand what lies ahead. That kind of helped me gravitate toward being a strategic enterprise architect. Clouds are at the same time becoming more and more important in our careers. A lot of cloud migration applications, especially the early ones that uh, I have done, were all simply lift and shift. Very easy, simple applications sitting in the data center, simply move them to cloud. However, now the The more and more cloud migrations that I am seeing in my career are extremely complicated as deep rooted integration with enterprise systems uh, in the data center. Some of the very complex business tasks. And how do we move them? Should we, should we move them? If so, what, what layer of the architecture do we move? Because we cannot move everything. Uh, What makes sense to move? What doesn't? There is a whole strategy around cloud migration itself. Should we re-architect or should we completely redefine?
0: Which first, uh, you're talking about more from a roadmap as well as uh, the risk that has to be managed during the uh, whole process. It's not that the business just stops and waits for you to Uh, completely migrate and then get started it's a continuous uh, business
1: we cannot disrupt the business that's that's bringing in revenue today so how smoothly to do it what is the safest approach and definitely you said it right risk risk mitigation at every layer of software that's something the industry as such has learned very quickly where is the big picture where is the company heading to in terms of strategic roadmap and the business architecture why is this very important because of redundancy we have to get Rid of redundancy, eliminate uh, duplication. Every company, a- either for histo- due to historical nature or through mergers and ac- uh, acquisitions, as. as- 10 payment solution, 10 different CMSs, 10 different databases. This is a common phenomenon across uh, any, any company. Over the years, we have acc- accumulated a lot of technical debt. And consolidation is key to save money, those wasted dollars in licensing and support, and okay. simply keeping the lights on, paying for data center. When it comes to cloud migration, uh, every company is looking back and, and thinking of consolidation as they migrate to cloud. That is very important, uh, being an it's enterprise architect. Thing.
0: Legacy modernization, right? Many companies. Initially, they started with either a mainframe or a a very old OS. And they use cloud migration as well as navigation to uh, modernize themselves as well as uh, not just the UX or UI part of it, as you rightly said, with all the Layers of the stack
1: who be future ready. Yeah, especially the nature of the beast, the industry that we are in. In three to five years, we don't recognize, we, we don't use the same software anymore. It just changes, it, it innovates so rapidly that we are all, always playing catch-up. The software that was written 10 years ago is not relevant anymore. It doesn't. Those proud software that we once thought is, is the best out there is not anymore. They have become a burden for us uh, in, in today's technology. We have to download a lot of stuff that we've been doing forever, our traditional way of doing business as well as a software. It, today is the age of SaaS solutions. There's a number of cloud and, and SaaS solutions that are out there. Uh, very small niche players uh, that do fantastic integrations. The, the whole economy today is driven by simply API dynamics. Uh, you know, you, you you pay for a third party call their API based on an API call. The licensing itself is now subscription-based rather than software cpu based uh, licensing so we are more of a a software assemblers at this point Uh, you know we integrate with uh, a number of third parties or even within the same company the enterprise applications themselves are exposed as apis so one software calls 10 other apis simply back and forth and assembles and orchestrates the software itself it's very important
0: system integrator or a Combinatorial skills—that is a critical thing that uh, you're talking about, right? Bringing everybody together.
1: Yeah. So we cannot ignore the presence of other players. Uh, We cannot afford to reinvent the wheel. We have to simply take advantage and then integrate with those uh, third-party vendors. Uh, This gives us agility. We can move fast. We can speed up the time to market. We don't have to invent monolithic software. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the the cloud maturity is 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 something that I learned over time. It's not that every company are fully into cloud. Every companies is some portions of applications are on cloud, while some are uh, in the data center. Where is each each company's journey in in the cloud maturity roadmap determines their next uh, step. Cloud security, cloud governance are all something that I take part on a day-to-day work. Uh, Most importantly, cloud automation and DevOps are are something uh, every company out there is currently doing. However, not every application is on the DevOps pipeline. Uh, Not every business process has been automated. So, the level of maturity that we actually propel us, uh, forward and it uh, when we talk about automation
0: right? it also depends on investment right how much of investments organizations are organizations ready to put in for that
1: maturity. Yeah, of course. How much resource? How may, What aids the business? Uh, in fact, oh, what is everything that the business wants is uh, currently met by data center applications. But however, uh, we don't want to miss out on the cloud. There are so many benefits uh, to having cloud infrastructure and, and having a serverless uh, architecture. So depending on how much the company wants to invest and in, uh, where do they want to take the company? Like you mentioned, you know, we cannot mobilize 100% of resources to right away jump onto cloud. It has to be a, a continual progression over the years. So, Mm-hmm. Most importantly, did, yeah, just not just moving one or two or ten, twenty applications onto the cloud. Uh, there has uh, the the whole cloud process has to be normalized and it has to be operationalized to even reap benefits out of it. Simply doing cloud manually provisioning a server or, or manually configuring a database and then you know deploying application is, is no good anymore. Complex CI/CD uh, pipelines and DevSecOps uh, are all uh, today this is out there and then those uh, needs to be followed and uh, implemented as uh, to completely uh, benefit out of cloud. Otherwise, uh, just moving to the cloud for the sake of it is not going to make a dent on the return on investment.
0: Absolutely. I recently so, heard that a couple of years back, this is cloud reliability engineer. Earlier, we used to call data engineer, database engineers, right? Now, it's very specific, cloud reliability engineer, cloud security engineer, cloud DevOps engineer. The kind of resumes that they requested, it's very, very specific and requirement of experience in that particular stack or area I'm amazed as to what future can pull before
1: yeah you, you know you're right it's it's very important to realize the, the role of uh, such uh, talent uh, in in realizing uh, you know, a full return on investment on the cloud as you, simply to provision a server on the cloud and, and and you know move an application define the web application uh, um, may not need those sophisticated roles. You know, today those roles simply indicate the underlying sophistication that can be drawn out of a cloud investment.
0: Yeah, if you don't bring those value, all the effort that is put in, you're not even able to get that value, right? Uh, how do you quickly change? How do you quickly pivot for your customers' needs?
1: don't leverage their, their power yeah that is that is you know good to note. yeah what comes out of it is something you know that each how each company drives it and then what they derive out of it matters to them e- in the end all this should aid the companies to be more agile and nimble and be able to uh, reach their customers in, in a agile fashion uh, add value uh, to their business
0: very very nicely put uh, you actually uh, started as an engineer and took the entire build a business strategy and architecture yeah. You're not only the software industry's life journey and your life journey seems to be coinciding here. So, yeah, staying yeah. here, right, From looking at it from today, when you want to do some blue sky thinking and seeing what does it take, what does it look like maybe 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, I don't know if we we'll continue to be working uh, in the same uh, speed acts which you are doing today, what does, it, what does the future look like as far as software is concerned? See,
1: it is, Depends on where we want our career to go. One thing that I've always uh, done, especially nowadays, is to make things uh, intentional, to understand what's out there, what's the breaking technologies uh, and uh, emerging disruptive technologies, to be aware of those, to educate myself, intentionally use them, come up with business use cases, understand those technologies, and then see what value can be provided. So to that end, I've been uh, lately looking into machine learning, automation, and uh, RPE. In fact, I had taken a very interesting course from uh, MIT on machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence as a whole. So that's an emerging field. Several companies are already doing great things out there, uh, including all those self-driving cars is the most famous example for uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, There's there's several uh, ways, uh, several layers of it. Any company today that's not in that area can definitely take advantage of the robotic process automations. RPA, I think, is the future. You know, RPA also exposes uh, the fact that several companies do not have their business process methodologies documented, so an RPA uh, can succeed when business uh, start. Uh Documenting their processes and then fully understanding their processes and be able to automate them. Uh, that's where a lot of you know, return on uh, investment uh, from artificial intelligence lies. Uh, that's what uh, I think uh, I strongly feel. The adoption okay. of DevOps and automation definitely uh, is, is something that's going to go uh, in full swing in the future. If the companies uh, that have started small today uh, definitely will learn, mature, and be able to dive fully into uh, DevOps and automation. Not just big companies, every company, uh, every company across. All the software teams use DevOps and automation in future, not just simply ELITE teams, not just only 10% of software, you know, everything should go. will undergo the transformation of DevOps and automation. So I definitely think AI, robotics, and RPAs are the future of, of this industry uh, looking ahead. AI
0: is including all the deep learning and all the uh, sub-branches and sub-categories. It is also very exciting, right, to be a software engineer today. So... Meera, this is such a rich conversation that we have been having. I can think of so many follow-on episodes to dive into a specific vertical or sub-vertical, if you will, and uh, go deeper into uh, how to create service-based organizations as well as architectures, right, that caters to it. So, given the uh, time, I, I just want to understand, are there any key takeaways that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, personally, listen, listen to your business users, listen to your end users, listening to the industry attentively, understand and assimilate. I want all those budding software engineers to be curious. Me being an architect, definitely understanding big picture is something that I would always support and uh, keeping an eye on the road ahead. Either you are an innovator, you know, you you are the one uh, breaking those barriers or you you are a consumer of those, uh, you know, disruptive uh, technologies out there. In either case, looking ahead is, is something that uh, uh, all of us can do and, and we should. Invest in
0: ourselves and take it for the beginner's mindset of curiosity. And just like how you started off saying that we started with all the curiosity and excitement. I can continue to be that. Thanks a lot, Mira. I think this has been a great conversation and I learned so much more about your journey than I had known. And thanks for your
1: time yeah. a lot. Yeah, thank you so much. I agree for this opportunity. Looking forward to more such interesting sessions. I'm a big fan of uh, the podcast that you publish and an ardent uh, listener. Uh, and I learn a lot from those podcasts. Uh, I'm just giving back to the community and uh, I love it. Thank you.